Today we're going to continue the, the formal metta practice using the phrases and exploring in a little more depth the category of a dear friend. And I'd like to speak to begin with just a little bit about this form of practice that we're offering. The, the question came up yesterday about wondering if this is a more modern form of the practice. And um, the form that we, uh, that we teach here the, with using the phrases and using the categories, um, the phrases themselves are pretty old. Um, the, the phrases are found in the Sutta Pitaka, um, in the, the Pali Canon, the, the Sutta Basket, um, in a text called the Pati Sambhidimaga, um, which is not at the time of the Buddha. Most scholars think of it as being a little bit later, like second century common era. So it's not time of Buddha, and the, the teachings, the sutta teachings attributed to the Buddha do offer a more um, expansive or pervading uh, teaching of the um, of loving kindness. So the, um, the kind of more specific, the more specific form of practice was somewhat later, but certainly not what I would call modern, <laughs> um, you know, thousands and thousands of years old. <clears throat> And I did hear from one teacher, and I couldn't find any any uh, verification of this, but uh, in the time that I was looking at this yesterday, but I did hear from one teacher, Gil Fronstall, I believe, um, said that the this practice of metta may even predate the Buddha. Um, so it's it's a it's a pretty ancient practice. This practice that we're doing here, the categories that we use, the kind of the staging through. First look at self and pick a particular person in a category. <clears throat> That's found in the Visuddhimagga, um, which is a commentary uh, in the Theravada tradition that's uh, about um, you know, five common era, five, fifth century common era, 500 BC. Um, I mean, a, a common era. Um, so that's also fairly old, this kind of going through the, the categories. <clears throat> and I appreciate the um, the different options for exploring metta practice. And I think there are different times where uh, the different forms or styles of metta practice might be useful. Um for myself, the um, the metta practice, the formal metta practice, was was challenging at the beginning. It was not something that um, allowed me to have ease in the mind, and that's really important in in the metta practice that we do begin with that ease. Um, and for me, the way into metta was insight practice. And then as, as the insight practice kind of softened my heart and mind, the allowing that 
you know, this is the way it is. It's okay that it's this way, that that all that allowing practice that I did in the, in the insight practice took me to the place after several years that the metta practice was available and very um, powerful. So there can be different, different, um, sometimes we can cultivate metta through the insight practice, through recognizing when metta arises, through cultivating that quality of love through being with experience, loving what's here. So there's a lot of different ways into, uh, into the metta practice. The form that we're teaching is um, has some advantages and some supports for us. One of the one of the um, uses, I think, of the phrases, one of the, the benefits of the phrases, is that it's using a capacity of our minds that um, uh, the intention, you know, the intention, the aspect where we can put a thought into our minds. Thoughts have a very powerful shaping capacity in our mind. As the Buddha said, whatever one frequently ponders becomes the inclination of the mind. And so if we frequently bring in thoughts of goodwill, that begins to shape the mind. Even if the feeling of goodwill is not there. So this is, um, this is a powerful tool to support cultivating this quality of love, of kindness, of care, thinking thoughts, bringing thoughts of goodwill into the mind. And it, it's, uh, it's supportive in, in a way that um, we can do this practice even if we're not feeling the metta, even if we're not feeling that sense of goodwill and for plenty of time when I was doing the metta practice, I was not feeling the feeling. But I could connect with the wish. I could connect with that wish. May I be happy. May you be happy. In fact, there was one experience I had. I did a month, um, one February month long at Spirit Rock. I did a month of entirely metta practice. And I was in the dining hall one day and not feeling a lot of metta, feeling kind of miserable, feeling sorry for myself, a lot of pain in the body. And I was like, I cannot feel metta at all, but I was committed to doing it all the whole time. And so I just said, well, you know, I can say the phrase and know what it means. I can bring that into my mind and I can know what it means. And with each phrase, I can check in. How does it land? How does it affect the heart to feel that, to, to make that wish? And so I began wishing myself, well, may I be happy? I can say that, know it, what, it, what it means, and then feel in the heart this tiny little like shift, hardly barely discernible, but just a tiny little shift. Then another, may I be at be at ease. May I be healthy. May I be safe. With each phrase checking in, how did that one land? And it was as if each phrase was like touching just a little ember of metta in the heart. 
And the, the expression of that wish, the expression of the metta was like the gentle, like blowing on that ember. Just a gentle breeze blowing on that ember. And within about 20 minutes, my mind was completely shifted. I was like, just so happy as I got up and I walked up the hill from the dining hall. And it was such a teaching for me. It was such a, a kind of an eye-opening thing of the power of using this, this form, of this formal practice. And that said, there are many times in my practice where the, the phrases were not, um, where when I was doing the phrases, that it was making me more and more tight. And so we do have to honor where we are. We have to honor what... Um, what, what is happening in our hearts and minds? I found in the formal metta practice this, and, and Dawn mentioned this the other day, that, you know, saying a phrase and checking in to the heart. And for me, it was not only heart, but body, you know, checking in, how is it land to make that wish? So that it's not just saying the phrase. It's saying the phrase and being aware of how that phrase kind of, impacts or affects your experience and maybe it's it's not much of a shift or maybe it's a subtle shift or maybe it brings up the opposite maybe it brings up anger or frustration and that's okay that's part of the of the metta practice too as uh, as both dawn and bob mentioned you know sometimes that's the function of the metta practice to draw out everything that's in the way of the metta. I sometimes think about the metta practice kind of like it's a, it's a purification practice. It's talked about as a purification practice. And, you know, the washing machine is kind of an interesting analogy for, for metta practice. Um, in, the, in the washing machine analogy for metta practice, I think of the, the water in the washing machine as like our our minds, the awareness, and the clothes with uh, dirt in them. That's the, um, well, so I'd say that the, uh, the water is kind of like the awareness. The clothes are like the, um, the mind with all of its messy stuff in there. And the soap is like the metta. So you put the water you put the soap in the water in a washing machine, and then you have some agitation. You know, you have to agitate the machine, turn away. And, um, and that kind of massaging of the soap in the water through the clothes, it kind of pushes the water through, the, the soapy water through the clothes. That um, soapy water, the way it soap works, it kind of latches onto the dirt, and then, and then it pulls it out into the water. And that's kind of what the metta does. It's like the, the metta is the soap and the kind of the continuing of the phrases, the energy of the practice is like that machine kind of turning away. And it will kind of massage that metta through our minds and that will latch on to anything that's not metta and pull it into consciousness. It's not a mistake when that happens. 
It's the metta doing its work. And so sometimes that is what happens. We, we feel the opposite of, of metta when we're practicing it. So in the, in the formal practice of metta, the, the way that we've learned it from our teachers, and um, I think probably we learned it, um, Sharon, I know, learned it from Upandita in Burma, and I learned it from my teachers here, plus my teacher, Sayadaw Ujjanaka, in, in Burma. This way that we've learned the practice, we generally start where it's easiest, as we've been doing the last couple of days, starting with an easy being. And then um, moving into beings that perhaps we have a little more complex relationships with. So today we're going to explore the possibility of offering these wishes of kindness to a dear friend. Now, a dear friend, uh, we might think that um, it would be easy to offer metta for a dear friend, but as we, as we rest with the friend in our mind, in our hearts, and begin to express, oh, may you be safe, may you be happy. Sometimes what comes up, that kind of soap of the metta going through our minds and the thoughts that come up with the relationship of that dear friend, Mm, that they did that thing and they said that thing. That wasn't, yeah. How can I wish them well when they did that thing? And so it gets, it can get a little more complex sometimes with a dear friend. And so this is actually part of why in some ways I think the the use of these different categories is <clears throat> is um, is useful for us because if we are exploring the metta, and sometimes I've done this, you know, touched into a kind of a of an open-hearted quality that feels like, yeah, you know, may all beings be happy, and then a particular person comes into mind and their specifics come into mind and it's like, oh, there's some constriction there. So the mind can, in the kind of the all-being category, you know, if we're just looking at just pervading metta sometimes, sometimes that that, um, pervading quality can be a little bit diluted. You know, it can be a little bit uh, not really taking in the specifics. And if we, if we bring in a particular person, there may be that kind of, it feels like a wrench in the works. It's like, it feels like the washing machine gets stuck. Because um, we're connecting with particular things or actions or uh, things they've done or said, where we have some rub, where we have some challenge in opening our hearts. And so that's part of the reason for the specific turning to specific beings. 
and each of the different categories, we pick a specific being in the category to kind of find the terrain of where that particular category sticks us. Where that particular category, you know, so somebody that we're close to, we may have expectations that they wouldn't do something that would hurt us. And then when they do, there's a barrier. Someone for whom we have a, a, a relationship where, where they're um, doing things that are heart, harmful or hurtful to us, we may feel like there's just no way that we could even feel that kind of well-wishing for them. And so picking specific beings helps us to kind of find that ground in uh, dirt and using the analogy of the washing machine. It helps us to just find the ground in dirt in our, in our relationships. So in Exploring the, the dear friend, we may find a little bit of this rub. And um, it's okay if that comes up. You know, when there's a difficulty in the metta practice, sometimes we can just hold it and say, yep, this is the metta working. That's fine. You know, it's like, yeah. At one point I was, I was um, in my yogi job in this retreat where I was doing metta all the time. I was... Um, doing the dishwashing at Spirit Rock and I was finding the machine a bit hard to work with and I was doing may all beings at this point but uh, you know may all beings be happy and the machine would get a little stuck and I'd be like who designed this stupid machine you know the anger would flare up in my mind and I'd be like oh there's the meta there's the anger okay yep I don't have to like you know drop the metta and look at the anger. I just like, yep, that comes out into the wash and I just keep going. So that if we can keep going, noticing that kind of uh, rub uh, or grinchiness or reactivity coming out into the wash, that's fine. I mean, that's what happens in the washing machine. It co- the, the dirt comes into the water and then that water can be rinsed away. And that's what can happen. The, 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 the reactivity can come into our consciousness and then it can be released. And so we can just appreciate that the metta is doing its job when that kind of reactivity happens. So if we can keep going and just kind of hold the, hold the phrases and the well-wishing and the reactivity all together, that's fine. Sometimes the reactivity does get stronger. And if that happens, then it can be useful to let go of that particular being. If the, if the reactivity feels like it's escalating, then it can be useful to let go of that being and go back to where it's easier in the metta practice, to yourself or to the easy being, wherever it feels more, um, more comfortable, more easeful to practice the metta. There's an analogy with the metta that uh, in starting where it's easy, it's like we're filling up a pool of water with 
that quality of metta. And then as that pool fills up, then it can overflow and begin to fill up the next pool. And if we find that that a pool, so we may find that we can start with the easy being with ourselves and that that creates a container for well-wishing and then bringing in another being where there may be a little more difficulty. But the, the metta from the prior work or prior practice can support us. But if that pool dries out completely, we may have to go back and nourish it again, going back to an easier being. Another support for this, and I think um, this will come in in the, the session tomorrow, is to shift to another practice in the flavor of the metta practices to forgiveness practice, either forgiveness for ourselves or forgiveness for other beings. If it's too hard to wish well, sometimes we can um, explore the forgiveness practice. And it's okay also if the reactivity is too strong to let go of the metta entirely and just work with mindfulness with the reactivity. So a little bit of kind of tools for navigating difficulty there. Staying first, if, it, if difficulty comes up, staying, just keep going if possible and just allow it, know it that this is the metta working dropping back to uh, an easier being using forgiveness practice or shifting back to mindfulness practice. So let's explore the, the practice again together today. Finding a posture that feels comfortable. Allowing a relaxation in the body. Maybe taking some time to connect with relaxing the body and mind. And then connecting with the area of the heart, just allowing what's there to be there, completely okay, whatever's there in this moment, allowing that to be as it is. And if it's supportive, sometimes it can be helpful to remember, as Bob was suggesting yesterday, that many, many beings have been offering metta to all beings 
all beings now, all beings to be born. That we are the recipient of metta. Somebody right now, somewhere on the planet, is offering metta to all beings. You are one of them. Opening your heart to the worthiness of yourself to receive that metta. And allowing an easy being to come to your mind that may be yourself, it may be a benefactor, maybe a pet, a child. And beginning by recollecting something that you appreciate about that being. Something kind that they've done or that you've done if you're exploring yourself in this moment. Kind things that they've done or qualities you appreciate about that being or about yourself. This reflection on what you appreciate about a being. This is said to be the proximate cause for this quality of care and connection. Holding this being in your mind in some way, it may be as an image for yourself. It may be your sense of yourself now sitting here. Sometimes it might just be the sense of being with that person, not an image, but just as if they were sitting in front of you and you're sitting with your eyes closed, you know they're there. Sometimes that can evoke that being A connection, exploring a connection with this being. And beginning to offer or wish those phrases. May you be safe. With each wish, each offering. Expressing that wish and understanding what it means to make that wish. But then coming back, how does it feel here to make that wish? Nothing needs to happen particularly there. It's more of a checking in in the area of the heart. May you be safe. 
How does it feel in the heart, in the body, for you to have expressed that wish? May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. I'm going to offer some silence now for you to explore this on your own, connecting with the being, saying the phrase, seeing how it lands. And you're welcome to be creative with the phrases, whatever phrases are resonant for you. in this well-wishing. taking your time and exploring a relaxed connection with the easy being and the phrases and the response in your heart.
And now perhaps offering an inner bow to your easy being. In a way saying goodbye to that being for now. And allowing yourself to greet a dear friend. Imagining perhaps an image or as if they were sitting in front of you. Sometimes using their name can be a way to evoke some of them in your mind. Creating some kind of a sense of connection with this friend. And reflecting for a few moments on what you appreciate about your dear friend. Qualities that you appreciate, kind things that they may have done or said. And if your mind is also including things that you don't appreciate. Just kind of say thank you for that opinion, but we're focusing on the things we appreciate right now. And then whatever appreciation you may feel, that can be um, kind of a support for offering the phrases, may you be safe. And then how does it land in your heart to make that wish? May you be happy. You can be creative sometimes with the images or connection. Sometimes when I'm exploring, connecting with a dear friend, I know what makes them feel happy. One friend I've offered metaphor is an artist, so I envision her in her studio. that phrase. So you can be creative with the connection part. If that feels easy and natural for you, and keeping it relaxed, may you be healthy. May you live with ease. Exploring for the next few minutes, offering these wishes of kindness, 
to your dear friend. some kind of a rub or something non-meta comes up in this process. Remembering that's just part of the process, part of the way meta works. But if it feels too challenging, you're welcome to drop back to the easy being. Refresh that quality of connection and care. And then after a few minutes, explore coming back to the dear friend.
exploring your connection with your dear friend in this moment and offer a revised way to practice with the dear friend and that's an alternation between yourself and the dear friend so envisioning yourselves together you can envision both of you doing this together with each phrase may I be happy May you be happy. May we be happy. May I be healthy. May you be healthy. May we both be healthy. May I be safe. May you be safe. May we both be safe. Continuing that exploration, if that seems supportive for you, this alternation. Wishing yourself, wishing your friend, and wishing you both together the wishes of kindness. The last part that I offered 
different alternation of self and dear friend and then both together. For me, that is a kind of um, a way to address a particular belief in my own mind that somehow happiness is a zero-sum game, that wishing happiness for someone else means that I'm getting less of it. For myself, I discovered that pretty early on in doing my metta practice, that this belief that wishing somebody else well is kind of like, well, what about me? You know, And it's not a zero-sum game. Actually, when we wish somebody else well, it can um, nourish us as well. And so this kind of alternation for me was a way to acknowledge that it's not a zero-sum game that wishing myself well and wishing somebody else well are not mutually exclusive. And then them bringing them to get, bringing the two together. May we be happy that we can, that's explicitly acknowledging that it doesn't have to be kind of a zero-sum game. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.